Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. Dear friends gathered on this Easter, I invite you to join with me. We're just going to ask God to bless the preaching of his word So we pray together. Heavenly Father, Jesus has won. That means we have the right no longer to live in guilt and shame. It means our home is truly by your side in heaven. It means that we can have joy and peace. Lord, do your work, have your way. Lord, bless the preaching of your word. We pray this in the name of the risen Savior. Amen. Happy Easter once again. How are we doing today? Ready for a good sermon? I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. And today is the highlight of Christianity. If you're just joining us and you don't know what Christianity is all about, by the way, you're welcome. Um, but this is Game 7 of the World Series right after the rain delay, and Zobris just knocked in the winning run. Because Jesus has risen. And what this means is that when Jesus died on Good Friday, he wrote the check for salvation, and Easter means the funds were sufficient, the check has cleared, folks. We're good to go. It means that there is now peace for those who didn't have peace, hope for the hopeless. It means that there is life for those who deal with the ramifications of death. This is the news. And I consider what it was like for the women to come to the empty tomb uh, the very first Sunday. And I saw a reenactment this past week on Facebook. There was a reenactment by a red panda of what it was like to see the stone, and I wanted to share it with you. So here's the red panda reenactment. Because the women were like, what? Who did that with the stone? That's a crazy stone. No way, stone. Right? And in fact, uh, we know the stone was rolled away by the angels. It is something that only God could do because it took centurions. And could you turn to the person next to you and say, yes way, the stone is rolled away. Yes way, the stone is rolled away. What? And what this actually means is that we got a new story to tell. That's what the stone means. And you know, sometimes people need a new story. In fact, I was considering United Airlines. They need a new story, don't they? Who heard about United Airlines? Isn't it funny what media picks up on sometimes, right? But here are a couple memes that I saw um, that, that just stuck with me. Um, we put the hospital in hospitality. I thought that was... That was clever. And then every good Christian loves the princess bride, so I had to give one of, one of these. You keep using the word voluntary. I don't think it means what you think it means. Because <laughs> David Dow, right, he's just trying to get to Louisville, and they ask for a volunteer. He doesn't volunteer, and yet he's dragged down the aisle. And, and you're hearing the CEO apologize all day long, and it doesn't matter what he says. He can't get out of this hole. They are desperate for a new story, aren't they? Do you know the disciples were even more desperate for a new story? I mean, consider how they left Good Friday. This was the only story they had. They said, we had some hopes for Jesus. Those hopes are gone. We thought there was going to be a fruition and a great culmination. That didn't happen. 
We thought that he could bring life, but in the wake of his death, we just don't know. And some would say that Christianity, it would have died with Jesus that day. But then they get to the stone. It's like the red panda. And they got a new story. They got a new story. See, now we know that the story is there is victory. The story is there is triumph. The story is there is peace. The story is that Jesus lives up to the name Messiah because he saves. And this is the story we get to talk about today. And you get to take home to your very own heart a victory for your own life. And personally, I've been in places where I've needed a new story. I remember back, uh, for me, it was sophomore year of high school. High school can be rough, right? Any high schoolers here, right? For me, it was rough because I was a wrestler bumped up to varsity, and I was no good. So that meant my sophomore year of wrestling, I didn't win a match. Do you know how many tournaments that is? Do you know how many like, sour weekends that is? Do you know how many matches you can have in one weekend tournament? Too many is the answer. And the only story I had is that I was kind of good not getting pinned right away. Right? This is a bad story, friends. But a couple months later, I tried out for this musical called Oklahoma, and I got the lead role as Ali Hakim, the Persian salesman. And, and so my new story is, no, I'm Ali Hakim, a, a new salesman. It was a better story. And some of you are like, how's that a better story? It was. Musicals are cool, all right? It was. But we can relate to wanting a new story, can't we? I mean, take it a little bit more personally. We all know what it is to be on top of the world or to feel like a failure. We all know what it is to be loved or to feel unwanted. We all know what it is to feel successful or unsuccessful. We've all been there. And you've got a good story to tell because of Easter. Because of Easter. And I want to welcome you, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're new to this place, I believe that this is a story that you can tell of your own life. So you ready to get into it? Say yeah. All right, all right. What we turn to today is the greatest chapter on the resurrection. In all of the Bible, this is the longest chapter on the resurrection. It's called the Great Resurrection Chapter. It's about the reality and the ramifications all of Jesus and his resurrection. And the reason Paul had to write this is because there were some Christians in Corinth who were saying stuff that they didn't know what it meant. You ever encounter someone who said something and they didn't know exactly what it meant? It reminds me of like, have you ever had a parent who tried to be cool? Right? And, and I'm, I understand once I had a child, I lost my cool card. So you will never have me saying words like on fleek. I don't know what on fleek means or intends to mean. I will never say something is on fleek. Right? Um, or I get lost with the text abbreviations. Does anyone get lost with text abbreviations? The only one, just so you know, if you're ever texting me, I only know LOL. I'm, I'm gone after that. But I guess that there are other abbreviations out there, like ROTF. Um, like, I could see my, my kids saying, Dad, you're so funny, ROTF. And because I don't understand what that means, uh, thanks, do your chores, ROTF. <laughs> Does anyone know ROTF? I guess Google says rolling on the floor, laughing. Anyway, or, or I could get from uh, my wife, maybe, uh, hey, babe, I-L-Y. Does anyone know I-L-Y? I could say, I love that coffee, but you forgot an L. It's delicious Italian coffee. I don't know if you know. <laughs> I-L-Y actually means I love you. Well, worse than getting mixed up with text abbreviations and worse than using cool lingo that you don't understand is what the Corinthian Christians were doing. They were saying something and they had no idea what it meant. For this is what they were saying. They were saying there is no resurrection from the dead. And Paul was like, who, what? How did you get there? He channels his inner spirit of Inigo Montoya and he says, you do, that does not mean what you think it means. And so he writes this whole section trying to describe 
what the resurrection actually means. So let's get into it. You can follow along either in your worship folder or on the screen. It'll be on both as we get into Paul's words here. It says, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, which he is, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we've testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. Can you read this yellow part with me now, though? Are you ready? Here we go. Let's read it. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Amen. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And what this means is that you got a new story to tell. Could you turn to the person next to you and tell them it's a good story, it's a good story, it's a good story. One more time. And you can turn to your second choice, you know, because you have a second choice. Whoever that was. I saw a great video this past week about a dog being rescued. Does anyone have any rescue dogs at home? Rescue dogs or cats? Yeah. This one was like a tearjerker, heartbreaker for what happened. Let me set up the extent. It was a dog in a canal, and a homeless guy like brutally cut off his leg. And so what we have here is the rescue of this dog stuck in the cow. I just wanted to show it with you. Um, here it was.
be mean to animals, right? But we need to realize is that at one time or another, we too were like that dog. And not because of a homeless man who brutalized us, but because of a different man who's actually referenced in this chapter. There's a man named Adam who sinned, and what this meant is that we now had consequences for sin. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Death came through Adam, and in Adam we all die. Now, we all have sin, which makes us stuck in a canal. Now, what is sin? Well, sin is lovelessness. See, we believe God is a God of love, and every time we have a loveless thought, every time we have a loveless word, every time we have a loveless deed, this is sin that separates us from God. In fact, our society is even familiar with sin. Sometimes you hear people say, well, nobody's perfect. And that's an admission to the fact that we all have sin, because we believe nobody's perfect. We're real with the fact that we do have sin. I have sin, friends, and maybe you do as well. And the reality is we would have been stuck in a canal worse than that if not for Easter. You know, Paul, he references this. Paul, he says in our lesson, he says, if Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. But friends, is Christ raised? He's risen indeed. He's raised because the author of life had the power to take life back. And what this means is that he flipped the script on Easter. See, we are no longer stuck. I can, I can flip my first board here. We're not stuck. We're set free, friends. We're set free from everything. In fact, we know that Jesus, he came, he brought a ladder down from heaven to earth, was born of a virgin Mary, and he used his arms, this arms that spread out on the cross for us and said, I love you this much, friends. I love you this much. And the same arms scooped us up, scooped you up and said, here, Father, Father, isn't he, isn't she beautiful? And the father said, yeah, they are, because you made it so, son. And we now live set free from all of our sins. No one can lock you in a canal of guilt and shame. No one has the right to do that, not even yourself. And what I love about following Jesus is he can not only set us free from sin, he does and has the ability to set us free from earthly circumstances. If you're looking for hope past a physical ailment, if you're looking for hope past financial circumstances, I've seen his faithfulness go so far beyond. It's called grace on top of grace. He can set us free, and this is your story because of Easter. So the first fill-in, your story is that you are set free. Your story is that you are set free. But there's more. There's more. You know, we live in a society that's looking for fulfillment. We're in the pursuit of happiness like nothing else, looking for something, anything that will satisfy. And every now and then we have people who achieve great things. For example, a great achiever this past year was Tom Brady. Anyone a Patriots fan? Good. <laughs> anyway, but Tom Brady, I'll never forget, he's got five Super Bowl rings now. When he got three Super Bowl rings, which everyone thinks, wow, you know, that, that'd be something. This is what he had to say, Tom Brady. He said, why do I have those Super Bowl rings and still think there's something out there, Grady? There's got to be more than this. And I think all of us can relate to this to a degree. You know, um, we've all chased a rainbow that promised something. Maybe it was the rainbow called success. Maybe it was the rainbow called romance. Maybe it was the rainbow called family. And in the end, there was no pot of gold. We might have found some good things, but there was nothing that could completely fill us. See, we know what emptiness is. You know, this emptiness, it kind of reminds me now of what we sometimes do. This vase, I think, represents empty people because what empty people like to do is paint the outside real well. 
You know what I'm saying? And so we live in a society where people say, well, look at my beautiful house. Look at my beautiful car, my wardrobe, my Easter outfit, everybody. I fertilized my lawn. I put in the rose bushes. Look how beautiful it is. And by the way, I'm not against any of those things, especially a nice car. If you have a Dodge Hellcat, that's more power to you. Just let me drive it sometime. Anyway, um, so, so it's not that those are bad things. It's just that the reality is sometimes they're a front, right? We paint it beautiful on the outside because the reality is I feel so empty and there is nothing in here. And I just wish I could scream how empty this life makes me feel at times. I've chased every pot of gold and found nothing. And Paul says, yeah, if Christ has not been raised, it is an empty life. It's an empty experience. Look what he said. He said, if Christ has not been raised, preaching is useless or empty. And so is your faith. It's like those big chocolate bunnies. Did anyone ever get one of those big chocolate bunnies? Anyone? The bigger it is, the less filled it is, which is always disappointing. How can you give me such a big Easter bunny and not have the whole thing made of chocolate? That's a sham. Right? Sorry. But this is the truth, and the reality is, without Easter, we all feel like that big Easter bunny. But Christ is raised, friends. He's raised according to the will of the Father. He's raised according to his own prophecies. When he said, if you destroy this temple, guess what? No problem. Because I'm going to rebuild it in three days. And Easter means we flip the script on emptiness. So I got another one. Your new story is that you have the right to be full. You have the right to be full. In fact, the fullness of God is that I can have peace in unpeaceful circumstances. I can have strength when I feel weak. I can have joy on the grayest, darkest days. And I can feel loved even when nobody likes me at all. That's the fullness of God that is ours today. So your new story, Jesus who said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus who gave us this. You know, there is a a, a famous um, priest named St. Augustine. And he had a quote that really resonates with me in this idea of fullness. He said this, he said, our hearts are restless, Lord, until they find their rest in you. The only way to fullness is through Jesus. In fact, there was a man named Solomon who did one better than Tom Brady. Solomon had everything. Solomon had romance. Solomon had accomplishments. Solomon had fame, had money. And he wrote this book called Ecclesiastes. It said, I can have every one of those things under the sun without God. And they're meaningless. But Christ, the new story, he's made us full. We are full. We can have peace. And because of this, I think a good Christian is like a different vase. See, I think this is a picture of a Christian. This vase, I don't know if you can tell, but you can see through it. And and what this this has is is in it the best jelly beans ever. They're not jelly belly. The best jelly beans everyone knows are what? Starburst. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) See, that's why I love this church family, because you have good taste buds, friends. Right? Starburst jelly beans. Right. And this is a picture of a Christian because it reminds me of me as a pastor. What you need to know is that me on the outside, it's not that impressive. You don't need to know Dustin Bloomer. You know, I like donuts and cars and my family, but I got flaws and imperfections. But inside of me, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is the spirit that lives in me. And that means that there is something good in me that fills me. The same spirit that says, I am enough. 
no matter how successful I am, that I'm accepted regardless of my flaws, that I'm loved completely and known at the same time. That's the God in me. And see, every now and then as a Christian, people see good things in Christians because the Spirit produces fruit. Fruit like peace and patience and kindness and self-control. And, and people taste. And, and what you need to know is that with any Christian, the good you see in them is the God in them. And so there's a link. As, as we have the resurrection story, we are free now to be transparent. The link in our lives is we can go around and, and, and be transparent because, again, how God has filled us and made us full. But I have a caution about the fullness. As much as God can do in your life, and it is a lot, you will never feel completely full here on earth. And this is why. God in love will never allow you to mistake that heaven is not here. God will never allow you to mistake the fact that you are not home. And so he will always, no matter how much he fills us, and it's good he fills us, there will always be a little longing because you are not home yet. And he made it that way, regardless of how successful and good you feel today. But there's more. There's more. This past year, I was reading a story about a, a pastor who lost his daughter who was five years old. His name was Levi Lusco, and the child's name was Lenya. Uh, he wrote a book called Through the Eyes of the Lion, and I recommend it. It's a good read. In there, you can see his heartbreak. He's counting the days since he saw his daughter the last time. And he tells what God did through this. Can you imagine for Levi Lusco if there was no resurrection? Let's make it more personal. We all carry around people that we love and have lost. It's from grandparents to parents to spouses to children. Dear friends, if there is no resurrection, what are we doing? Paul said that. Paul said, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. But Jesus is risen. And he flips the script. Jesus is risen according to the angel announcement that said, he is not here. Extra, extra, read all about it. Jesus is alive. And what this means is that all those lost people that you have on your heart this day, they are found in a way that you can only dream of, that this world only hints at. They are fully satisfied because they are face to face with the God who so loved him. They are not lost. In fact, the pastor knew this. The pastor knows it just has a fruition. And so on the gravestone of Lenya uh, was found this passage. Um, it says, Jesus has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I love using the word abolished or destroyed or annihilated. It reminds me of uh, Christian Bale's Batman. You know, like abolished, you know, or something like that, you know. Because he's destroyed death, right? There's something stronger. This is the news. The good news we have is, again, that, that those who die in Christ are found in a way more superior than we can ever, ever experience. But then again, what if I'm just lying to you? What if I'm just a false witness? I mean, we live in a world filled with fake news. And Paul realized this as well. Paul says, okay, if... Christ has not been raised. Well, the final implication is this, that we are false witnesses about God. There are many stories going around over Jesus' resurrection. 
People think that maybe he just swooned, which means he went into a coma, faked his death, and then came alive. But, but I know a different story. The spear, the spear that talked about water separating from blood, which is proof that someone has died. Or people tell us, you can't rely on the Bible. What are you doing reading your Bible? That's the age we live in. But they never do the research to find that in this world there are thousands of New Testament manuscripts. And if you compare the preserved manuscripts to each other, they back each other up. Just take a logical approach to the manuscripts and you find that. In fact, we have eyewitnesses who record this account. Not to the tune of one eyewitnesses, but four of them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all write about the resurrection that he rose. He appeared to over 500 after he rose. He was the one who ate with his disciples, who said to a doubting Thomas, take your finger, put it in my hand and my side, stop doubting but believe. The same God in the face of everyone who's tried to get you down, everyone who tried to get you to doubt is here today saying, stop doubting, believe. He is risen. But how should we truly react to this message? If it's true, the new story that we have to tell. I have to get to my last flipping of the script, by the way. The good news, the news story, is that you have not been lied to, but you've been evangelized. Now, what does that mean? Evangelism is the idea of conversion, but, but truly, literally, it just means the good news. Someone has proclaimed to you the good news. That's all we've done today. I don't believe I can convert anyone. The Holy Spirit does that. But you have heard the good news, and that is your new story, that you have good news to share. So how should we react to this message? Well, there's a tribe in Indonesia who threw a party when they got Bibles written in their own language. I wanted to share with you their excitement and their joy over doing this. Um, one last video, about two minutes long. Light followed by Galpa Delta landing, quarter foot. Light followed by Galpa Delta on the ground. pastor had said, it says in, in the Gospel of John that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus is that Word, and Jesus is coming, and we need to be there to meet Him. Just blew me out of the water. I thought, Lord, this is how we know that it's you doing something here.
language, isn't it? My friends, if they can rejoice and dance over the fact that they have Bibles, how much more is New Testament Christians who have seen what angels have longed to look into and understand the implications of Jesus' resurrection, shouldn't we be out in our lives and in our communities and telling our friends this wonderful message this message that those who are stuck can be set free, those who feel empty can be full, those who are lost can be found, and those who thought they were lied to are actually told the best news there is. Let's do that, friends. Let's go out from this place rejoicing better than them, dancing better than them. You can dance. I don't even care. Dance in your living room. And tell them because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Please stand.